This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, with a special eye and ear to the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, your co-host here with my co-founder of Project Sanctus and my partner in crime and consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Kelly Isla. How are you today, Reverend Kelly? I'm pretty good. I uh, Unfortunately, the Kansas City Chiefs lost last night, but I'm getting through that. Uh, and it was, a, it was a chilly, rainy day, which I really liked because I was like, oh, mm. it's fall. <laughs> but not everybody is on that page with me. Uh, no, no, they're not. Um, especially your, yours truly. I'm I in, I'm in, Bar- I'm in Barbados now, so I'm done with chilly weather for at yeah. least the next four months. Um, I just like the seasons. So I like them too, from a distance. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all okay. And I don't care about the chief losing. What's more important is was Taylor Swift there? No, she the was game? not. Okay. Because of what don't... happened in Brazil. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about that. I honestly don't care about her and I know. being there. I know. But apparently I'm supposed to, because, you know. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I hear. I'm supposed to care, but I honestly really don't. Um, but yes, the thing happened in Brazil, where where we have listeners, by the way. So yeah. shout out to uh, whoever may be listening in Brazil and 30 of the other countries around the world. Um, glad you're listening. Glad you're sharing. Um and oh, the other day I should share this um, in in my men's group. Someone showed up who got to the men's group through the podcast, listening to our nice. dismantling the dismantling the patriarchy series, which we are continuing today. I know it was fascinating to go like, oh look, <laughs> that someone's actually listening. We're not making this up. Right. <laughs> we we have stats, but to meet someone in the wild is 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 a whole other thing. Um, but yes, today we are wrapping up or dismantling the patriarchy theories. And this is part five. We'll be taking a look at how patriarchy shows up and is perpetuated and the impact it has on family, on parenting, on elder care. If you've missed part one through four, you can go back and listen to them wherever you find podcasts or on the website with loveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. Um, we covered, in case, in case you're jumping in with this episode for the first time ever, in the previous four, we covered things like uh, religion, spirituality, and, and church. I think it was the last episode. We covered sexuality, identity, relationships. We covered the workplace. Um, yeah, we just looked at, again, how patriarchy shows up, who perpetuates it, um, and pretty much all of us, unless we're doing the work to decolonize it from ourselves and our workplaces. Um, so we had some good discussions around that. So as always, if you have some thoughts to share after you've heard these episodes and you want to weigh in, um, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Get Our Holy On is a handle, or leave a voice message. Yeah, I can talk. Leave a voice message at 413-438-4659 or 413-GET-HOLY. Um, I, I'm going through that transition phase where I trip over my tongue, moving from one part of the world to the other, because, yeah. uh, you know, the English the English here is 
its its own species of English. You know, Caribbean countries all have their own dialect and different in different different emphasis on different syllables. Um, and you know, as we speak, so so as I'm here surrounded by the Barbadian version of English, um, you know, the old the old Barbados means kicking in, and sometimes I trip over trip over words because my tongue is doing the thing it does to try and speak a different speak a different version of English. So yeah. Oh, it's funny about happened. you know what's funny about that is that I have a couple friends that were raised in in a rural deep south and um you know haven't lived there in a long time. So the accent changes. However, I can always tell when they've been talking to their mother on the phone or if yes. they've visit been visiting recently because I'm like, okay, where did that come from? You know, because that you know slipping back into just what you know and how you were raised and what's truly hilarious is uh my partner from morocco is here with me for a few weeks visiting for the first time and she is fluent in english french and arabic and she's been speaking english for over 30 years and she lands here and she's like you have to translate for me i don't understand <laughs> what anyone's saying and i'm beginning to question <laughs> if i really know english at all well, like, now no, she no. can add a fourth language, Barbadian. Exactly. I say no, no, no. Don't don't question. This is this is a whole this is a whole different, uh, right? You know, species of English that you would not have encountered anywhere before. Yep. But it's it's hilarious. Um, so the holidays are upon us, but we still have some things coming up. Um, what do we have going on? Well, we always have our affinity groups on the first and third Wednesday of every month, seven thirty p.m. Eastern. Um, the first Wednesday of the month is our communal group. And then the third Wednesday of the month is the true affinity groups where Ogan uh, facilitates uh, the group with um, BIPOC um, people that identify as BIPOC. And then I facilitate the group with people that identify as white bodies. And um, so the first and third Wednesday, and you, you need to sign up to get the Zoom link. And you can do that on projectsanctus.com. Um, and look under the uh, the events and offerings. Um, Ogan has a group on the the those off Wednesdays, the second and the fourth Wednesdays. That's for men. It's called Men Better Together, and that's at eight p.m. Eastern. Again, on the second and fourth Wednesdays. And um, you can find out more about that. Is that's on your website, correct, Ogan? ReverendOganholder.com. Yes. Um, thank you. Yeah. So Men Better Together, which I think is you know, it, it will be ongoing and uh, it's a wonderful way for men to, you know, to be in the conversations about patriarchy and all of its, you know, um, all of its manifestations and questioning and, and just all of the, I think, you know, the ways of how people, the role of being a man, you know, what's, what that is in our, in our culture and in our history and, I'm sure you could talk better about it, but I just want to encourage men to anyone who identifies as a man to, to take advantage of that. Um, and then we have, uh, we have an online course that's um, going to open up. It'll be um, putting in a, a couple more homework assignments into a couple modules and tomorrow it will launch. I'll send out a link in a newsletter um, and it's called conscious anti-racism and it's part one and there's going to be three parts, but this is just part one. Uh, Ogan and I have been working on it, making videos, create, yes, there's homework or articles to read, you know, questions to think about. So that's going to launch tomorrow. Um, and always you can support the work that we do, the podcast, um, you know, the time it takes for us to create classes and webinars. And when we present it, you know, anything at a conference, um, you know, the writing, the everything that we do, you can support what we do and help us continue to be who we are in the world by making donations. And you can visit uh, projectsanctus.com and click the donate button. Um, we're always open to receive. And whether it's $1 or $1,000, we're just, we're uh, very grateful. And this certainly is the week of gratitude, uh, but we're always very grateful for the gifts that we receive that help us keep, keep things moving and doing the work of liberation. Uh, no, but one of the things that is important, you mentioned that course, Conscious Anti-Racism. This is not a class you sign up for. This is oh. a this is a self-learning or a self-paced learning program. So once you purchase it, 
you'll have access to the videos and the materials and you can do it on your own in your own time in the comfort of your own home and what's uh what's uh, an important piece about it is we we look at some steps towards creating what we refer to as um, an anti-racist spirituality. Um, so uh, I, we highly recommend it. You'll hear a lot more about it as we uh, get materials, promotional materials together, but um, it will be launched for the holidays. You can gift yourself, gift somebody else, um, all the things. So we're pretty excited about it. It's been a labor of love and a culmination of um, the beginning of the culmination of, you know, stuff we be presented at workshops um, and at conferences from our own classes and book studies. Um, so we, we, we hope that it finds um, a good audience. And we also encourage you, even if you've been doing this work for a while, to know that there's always something new you can learn. So to um, help support us by purchasing and approaching it with, uh, with a beginner's mind, um, because as much as you and I have done this work, like there's always something, there's always something else to learn. There's always something new. There's always a development, an evolution of something. Well, even if you've heard something before, it it always, you know, oh yeah, I remember so-and-so saying, I heard that in a something or another three years ago. And you yeah. hear the same thing, but it lands differently. So exactly. You know, when we say you're never done, you're really never done. Um, because even if you've heard something, even it seems like, you know, the beginner or intro level. I don't think there's any such thing. I think it's it's us always, or at least me, and I think white bodies, it's always uh, taking whatever's in front of me to a deeper level, you know, and where am I contributing? Yes. All right. So hopping into today's subject matter, um, patriarchy, um, and how it shows up in like parenting, um, what else? Uh, family, how we do family, um, elder care, um, all the things. Um, so, so I wanted to jump into parenting first because this is this is the thing I think I know um, something about as a parent, and not just as a parent, but a parent in a mixed marriage with uh, or a mixed racial marriage with a biracial child. Um, so quick backstory, yes, my wife was white, and not just white, but from the South. She was from Southern rural Virginia, North Carolina. Her family is still very mostly Southern and very Christian. And Jennifer, who passed away what, eight years ago now, with 23, yeah, eight years ago, um, was the black sheep of the family. Like, uh, And, um, but we we connected on a we connected very much on a lot of issues. One of them being, um, without needing to really have a lot of discussion about you know one of us getting the other into this place was, we were very clear that we would parent differently than our parents. Um, and let me just put a little bit of a disclaimer there for those of you who might be triggered by me saying that, because you've heard your own kids say to you. Uh, when I become a parent or I'm parenting differently than you did, okay, is, and I've had to explain this to my mother because when I said it to her, she took offense to it. Yeah, I'm never doing and, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was like, I parented you fine. I parented you the way I did and you turned out fine. And I'm like, no, it's because of therapy that I turned out fine. Um, but <laughs> but this idea of of... Um, they did the best they knew how to do given their parents. Yeah. Witnessing my grandparents and then witnessing my parents, my parents turned out pretty good considering the parenting that they had. And both my parents are black, descended from slaves, from enslaved people here in the in Barbados. So one of the things that we that we can't take for granted is how much of modern day parenting, especially among BIPOC folk, especially among black folk, is has been learned through the lens of enslavement and passed down from generation to generation to generation. And it's only because both my wife and myself were very clear because of our own inner work that we did 
um, before we became parents. But there's certain aspects that we didn't want to replicate. One of them being corporal punishment. We decided very early on we're not going to hit our kid because violence just instills fear. You know, there's a there's a wonderful Bible verse: "Spare the rod and spoil the child." Well, sure, that might have worked, and oh, I don't know, whatever BC century that was written. But what we know now is that um, enacting physical violence upon our children um, instills fear in them, and um, a cycle that's doomed to repeat. And in and that was a direct result, especially being in this part of the world, of, of being that enacted and the control that that brought from slave owners um, and plantation owners. So another, another thing that you might find in a lot of um, Black communities especially is, and again, this is, this, is, this is getting better with every generation. And I would say my generation and parents of my age um, and maybe some previous, but mostly of my generation, parents of my generation are really the first to make a wholesale change, I think, in many ways across the board. And again, there's some still parenting the old school way, but there's a tendency among Black folk especially to um, not play up the good qualities of their kids and often be insulting in an affectionate way. Um, and part of that um, parenting from generation to generation comes from this idea of um, we need to keep our children safe and visible because they could be sold at any time when, you know, enslaved people had their had their kids. So so in order to maybe make them safe. Um, we will we will pretend that our kids are not smart at all, um, and, and call them names, um, call them call them names, and downplay their you know downplay their intelligence, yeah. not give them posit- a lot of positive affirmation at least publicly. Because if word gets out, the likelihood of being sold sold is much higher. Exactly, exactly. So you're probably thinking like, oh, wait, you're talking more racism, white supremacy than patriarchy. Well, I mean, they're all embedded. And what patriarchy does is sets up a, you know, the patriarchy especially relies on a hierarchy and um, and a hierarchy of gender. So right. so so while this is a trait that's that was common, there's there's this hierarchy also of of we the parents just always know better than our kids. And as a result, we don't also treat our kids as like real human beings. Um, right. You're your kid. You're not. You don't. You don't. You don't know the world yet. Um, yep. You don't have the experience we do. Uh, your your thoughts, your voice, your opinions aren't as valued or as valuable. They're lesser. And and treating any other human being lesser than another human being, yes, that's all white supremacy and patriarchy all wrapped in one. So so part of part of I think our work as parents when we talk about decolonizing parenting is looking at, you know, how how does the way we parent replicate uh, a hierarchical system? Now, yes, it is our job of parents to protect, keep our children safe, set up set up a container for them to grow and be educated and all these things. However, we can do this and not devalue their personhood at the same time. Um, we also don't need to go to the extreme. I see in some spiritual circles, which is like we don't establish any boundaries, or uh, you know, they're just they're just being the light that I, that they are, even though they're really being pests of the kids. Um, yes, I said it out loud. Um, so great, so Re- about- repeat it. <laughs> Say it again. Um, it was really good. I'll, I'll say it again. Um, it's not about swinging to the other extreme of parenting and not establishing boundaries or structure for your kid and saying things like, oh, this is, they're just being the light that they were born to be. Right. Um, 
and therefore we are going to be totally hands off. That's not what I'm saying either. There's, remember, there's there's a both end. There's there's a middle ground in there, but you can create structure, safety, boundaries without yeah. needing to do it from a, a fear place, from an authoritarian place. Well, and one and one of the what you just reminded me of is um you know oh they're just being the light that they are, um is uh is also that term you know boys will be boys. Yes. Now I know that's you know different uh you know impact maybe you know maybe different message but it's still ignoring um it's still setting up a paradigm that's not a um that, that I don't think is a you know, for the child to grow up healthy and thriving and, and understanding boundaries and a sense of self and a sense of, you know, what they, um, uh, you know, what's available to them in the world, um, you know, and to say that, well, they're just being the light that they are. It doesn't, I don't think that means anything to the child at all right. when they hear it. Yes, agreed. Uh, and boys will be boys just excuses, you know, oppressive, violent, destructive, patriarchal behavior. Exactly. Um, and, and, the and the real dangerous um, um, implications of that we see when boys reach to the teenage age, young men, and they enact violence towards women, especially sexual violence. Um, and, and they have, you know, you hear them sing, say things like, well, because she was dressed that way, I know. she was asking for it. Or, you know, that sense of entitlement that, that women's bodies, um, and I'm speaking in generic terms for heterosexual men, but women's bodies are, we, are, we, we as straight men are entitled to them um, because that's what the patriarchy tells us, that, that yeah. from that, you know, gender binary, uh, straight men are are the prima the we, we are the superior gender and women be subservient to us and and part of how men learn that is watching their parents interact right. again i'm speaking i'm speaking again generalities of straight parents male and female but those those same roles get enacted in same-sex parenting dynamics because we internalize a lot of those traits of patriarchy um, as well and apply them to to parenting. So part of our work is to, as we examine that, oh, I'm becoming my mother, I'm becoming my father, is to really investigate where those are coming from um, in terms of, you know, why might have they learned those lessons? I've internalized them. I don't want what what the experience do I want to have as a parent? Also, um, oh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> it wasn't a Zoom problem this time. It was just my brain. <laughs> um, go ahead. Well, what you're also reminding me of, and you didn't use this term, but but there's all these in terms of, you know, sticking with parenting, you know, patriarchy and how we how we perpetuate patriarchy in, in our parenting, um, how we parent, um, you know, patriarchy is just internalized and it's yes. it's it's an eradicable inequality, like it's there. Um, and we, you know, as parents needing to take a look at how you treat the children, how you talk, how you behave, you know, and how you do it differently. Um, you know, my mother always said the boys were easier to raise than the girls. And she never really expanded on that, but I always received it as a sense of, you know, that we're different, but not in a good way. <laughs> um, yes. You know, and there's, and these po power dynamics, um, you know, these gender roles have existed for years. And I think there's a couple phrases that, that we use that perpetuate it without even realizing it. And one of them is, you know, the idea of the nuclear family. Mm, yes, yes. It's an unconscious, when we say a nuclear family, what it's really doing is putting women in that subservient role, you know, in the kitchen, you know, taking care of the children, 
um, socializing women into the housewife role or, you know, or something close to that, or they may work outside the home yet still responsible for the work inside the home. But that term nuclear family really, I think, has an unconscious, unexamined assumption of, of who the players are in a nuclear family. And what we know is, and that's a patriarchal, unconscious, unexamined assumption. And if we look at families, um, you know, like we've talked about it on other episodes when we're talking about, you know, polyamory or, um, you know, non-heteronormative relationships, that there's mm -hmm. several people that are nesting. You know, there's multiple people that are engaged in raising the family and frankly, raising better humans. Um, but, um, but it's not, you know, that I don't think the word nuclear really gets used outside that assumed man, woman, you know, heteronormative 2.7 children, whatever. So um, you referenced an episode we did previously, it was episode 91. Um, where we interviewed some folks from the Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. Um, and this was a team based in Somerville, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, that established in, in the town of Somerville um, certain legal protections for um, polyamorous families, as in, so you, you know, you will have kids, you will have children in situations where there are multiple adults who are in committed relationship with each other, raising the kids. So the kid might be in a household or shared households with up to three, four, five, six adults being an active part of their parenting situation. So literally a village raising the child. Right. And, and there are no legal protections offered for situations like that almost everywhere in the United States. So sometimes grandparents or other family members maybe, you know, former spouses who, who don't understand what it means to be polyamorous or to be, you know, in, in a polycule and other, as you say, non-normative family situations might, might sue for custody. Right. And, and there's no legal protections for, for the, for the other family. So, so yes. So check out episode 91. It's, it's, it's very in, informative in that, in that regards. Um, and, and you mentioned the unassumed assumption of, of the nuclear family setup where, you know, women are given those subservient roles. I would, I would add to that by saying there's the thought that, you know, so I, for example, was stay-at-home dad. I, uh, for a few years, my wife worked full-time. Um, I did the, you know, I did the vast majority of the changing the diapers and the cooking the meals, the quote-unquote housework thing, the quote-unquote housewife roles. Uh, I, I did. But part of that binary, but part of that patriarchy unassumed assumption is that, yes, we are going, somebody has to be assigned to do it. Right. There's always going to be. And that person who's assigned to do it, there's this unspoken assumption that they have a, a lesser voice in the couple dynamic. The one who goes out and makes the money is the one that tends to have the louder voice. And even if it's not something that they actively uh, do, again, there's this hierarchy that's established. Um, this family wouldn't exist or have the yeah. meals on the table if I didn't go and work. So therefore what I do might be more important, valuable than what you do um, as the person who stays home, whether you're the male or the female or in a mixed, uh, same gender couple, stay at home person. Um, so that, that is an example of the patriarchy also exacting its influence. Anytime we establish a hierarchy of roles, regardless of the, you know, gender of the person um, doing doing the role but but to your point yes there's still there's still a prevailing thought that that the women bear more of the brunt of the labor even if they are working and then coming home and having to do the family and caretaker duties as well well and and what's what's you know a little bit sad for me 
about that is the number of women that don't either don't see it, don't realize it, or, and I've heard some of them say, well, you know, that's just how it is. And I'm like, no, yes. no, no, <laughs> just that, just because that's how it is, doesn't make it right. Like, no, stop. Right. That is, that isn't how it has to be. Right. Um, um, and, and, you know, the, the other thing you mentioned, especially in re, re, regards to parenting is the ideas that we have about masculine masculinity and femininity that we pass on to our children. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, boys don't cry or, um, you know, as boys get older, you've got to, you've got to be tougher. You got to be stronger, uh, not so much in your feelings. Um, and, and at the same time, the, the message that we also send to girls, unfortunately, is, you know, there's, there's that more allowance for expression of feelings, um, but maybe not taken as seriously. Um, right. And, and God forbid you, like quote unquote talk back you're gonna a, a girl is gonna get a much more um you know in trouble than you know her brother um yes and so it's yes. not okay to speak out and that just and it just keeps perpetuating as you you know you grow older you know it, it's interesting because I'm thinking about my own family growing up and there was five kids and so that's noisy you know and busy um mm -hmm. I was in the middle and certainly, you know, all of the, most all the things that we're talking about, you know, I can see in my family. But what's interesting is around education. Um, what, and, uh, you know, for in many families, I, I think what's um, probably less today than when you and I are growing up, but there's this um, less push to get the girls, you know, into college, like get them out of high school and, but not as, not as an even unspoken expectation that the boys will get a career kind of thing. But what I find interesting about my own family was that it wasn't like that at all. It was, um, there was, it was unspoken, but there was this expectation that, oh no, you're going to college, like not up for debate, you know, and you'll figure it out. And so I never had, I never had a sense that because, you know, I'm, I'm female, I'm not, you know, um, I'm less likely to go to college or, you know, I'll have to work harder to get into, like, I didn't have, that was one of those places that I didn't have the, that disparity or that inequality sense, you know, certainly other ways, but, um, right. so I'm really grateful about that. I'm not sure how that came about. But not sure either, but like I say, I think, I think, like I said, our generation and in some some cases, generation that came before us are are beginning to notice um, these things. It's funny you mentioned education because right now, um, the trend in education is that girls and women have surpassed boys and men in terms of success in education, um, much more than because at first, to your point, um, the systems were set up so that men and boys got educated and girls didn't yeah and in fact in some of the most patriarchal places in the world that that sentiment still exists when I mean, we look at places like afghanistan and other countries like that uh, yeah there's there's this sense that even though you know we'll, we'll extend some level of education to girls but but our culture says that, that their main their main important place is still in the house okay um, but other places, so like in the states where you know you had equal equal rights amendment, you had Title IX, all these things opened up the spaces for girls and women to be in higher education places, and they excelled and thrived and surpassed the boys and the men to the point now that it's it's clearly documented that men and boys are are, are struggling, yeah. um, and. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of theories as to why that is and, and what we can, what we can do about it. Um, but what's, what's the harmful piece of this is those who look at that and use that as further, further uh, fuel to try to maintain a system of patriarchy in terms of, um, saying it's the women's fault women women are taking our place um 
women are replacing us. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's fueling an interesting resurgence in 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 some circles, uh toxic masculinity pushback of of anti feminism. Just as we had it with had it with race and its ethnicity. Um now now it's making an interesting uh gender comeback uh as well. So so it's it's important for us to, to notice um where we might have the embedded um thoughts and beliefs about the roles that we play as parents or even as you know aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, anytime we have the chance to play um a mentoring or you know a consistent adult presence in the life of a child notice notice where our thoughts and beliefs and patterns around how we interact with the child how they show up and where they come from and we might be surprised how much of it is fully and really unconscious you have to say that um so <clears throat> this will probably irritate a few a few listeners, but I saw um, a few weeks ago, I, it was on like 60 Minutes or some kind of news program <clears throat> about what you were just talking about, about how, um, you know, boys are really falling behind, um, you know, in with education and, and, you know, which means, which then impacts future job and economic mobility and, 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 and that, that, you know, there's, you know, and, the, and as I was listening to this show, um, it's kind of, it's a kind of a relative, in the scheme of things, it's kind of a relatively new, you know, trend. And I found myself listening, kind of going, are you kidding me? Like, where the fuck have you been for centuries for us girls? You know, like, yeah. There's and, that. and then as soon as I could hear it in my head, I'm like, it's, it is that. And I don't want boys falling behind, but I, it was just this, um, the sense that, you know, an immediate, you know, oh, look this, we got to take care of this. We can't let this happen. I'm like, why not? You let it happen to girls and women for centuries. Like, you know, I, I got pissed. Under, understandably. And and that you're, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's much sentiment around for how, yes, for the centuries women have suffered and, you know, it's just really been a few decades of, of us men falling behind and all of a sudden we're sounding the alarm, um, which which arguably, yeah, is is sort of sexist in many ways. And at the same time, to your point, it's, it's the both and. Yeah. Uh, if we are truly dismantling patriarchy, we are addressing the needs of both genders, of all yeah. genders, yeah. not both, of all genders. Yeah. We're addressing the needs of all genders. Um, so, 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 and that, and that, that means it puts a, a, us in a position where, yes, it seems unfair that, that we're, we're, we're creating this energy of concern around boys or men's for a much relatively shorter period of time than we've had for women. But I think, again, that, I think that might actually be a good thing because then hopefully we don't we don't find ourselves um where again we have one group suffering un unneedly, unnecessarily. Like, yes, we we fucked up before. Um switching the tables on who is suffering is not how we dismantle the patriarchy. Because again, patriarchy just needs a hierarchy and it needs one group um on top of another. So so well, you I was going to say true feminism embraces yes the the health and the the ability to thrive of all genders. And so it it makes me wonder this about boys and men, you know, lagging behind in education and jobs and other um it is I have no idea I'd have to go look at data or read from the experts, but I'm wondering if part of that lagging is sort of like a vicious circle. So as boys you know, are watching the girls surpass them, is there, you know, because of how they've been socialized, patriarchy, mm -hmm. you know, yes. and internalizing how I'm failing. And so I just sort of perpetuate my failing. Yes, yes, yes. There's a piece of that as well. And and 
um, I forget the name of the guy who's really been um, a leading voice in this. I was just listening, listened to a couple of interviews with him. I'll look it up before we're done here. But Richard Richard Reeves. Yes, yes, I think that's who it is. Um, you know, he talks about a lot of this is around brain development. Um, in general, on average, there are certain aspects of boys' brains that develop later, um, and our education system doesn't really account for that. Right. And then it becomes that like sort of like self prophecy, self self fulfilling sort of thing of you know, I'm falling behind earlier, therefore I am not as smart as I'm not as bright as, and and to be also clear, there there always has been and still continues to be an element of entitlement in terms of placement in terms of things that the boys and men are now losing um they're not you know before it was it was assumed that certain positions would or should be filled by men and um and that's not happening anymore so um so as a result um it's it's becoming a bit of a challenge yeah in 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 that regard brought it up because I had just seen that that um, new show and <laughs> I found myself boiling inside and then yeah, I and yes. then I was like but I do care you know <laughs> just right I, I and, I'm, and I'm and I'm glad and I'm glad you're sharing that journey <laughs> because that's 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 the journey a lot of us go on yeah when we hear when we hear things like that um, and again um, making uh, you know making space for elevating the needs of amplifying the voice of women does not mean that men need to be pushed down or, you know, that again, um, when, when, when we're both in a place where uh, the, 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 the individual needs and the specific needs of all the different genders are accounted for, then then that's that's equality. Yeah. That's um, um and not just, oh, we gotta we gotta find the one system that's gonna work perfectly for both girls and boys. That system does not exist. Right. So so it's 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 hard work and and many countries are beginning to pay attention to this. I just read heard somewhere that um is it Ireland, Ireland, I think, or Scotland. One of them. They're doing a really good job of addressing this, um, and and whatever changes they're making, experts are saying, you know, look to them and copy and copy what they're doing because they right. seem to sort of have a good handle on on accounting for this. Um, so the other piece of this is, uh, you know, we talk about parenting, you know, different family dynamic things. Who is the disciplinarian in the family? If there's going to be disciplinarian, you know, how many times did a mom say to a kid, wait till your father gets home? Right. Um, hey. That that sort of... Did you get that one? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. My my mother was a disciplinarian. Uh, I did get that. Just wait till your father comes home. And I think sometimes it was a function of <laughs> mom was just too tired, like too many things on the plate to do. So uh, she took, she just said, wait till your father gets home, which you never quite knew when that was going to be because of the job that he had. So he could be gone for weeks or months. And I'm pretty sure she didn't keep a list of things that she wanted to, uh, to catch him up with. Um, And there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you texted back then. Um, It wasn't like you, you know, she could easily, you know, get my dad this list of things like just wait till your father gets home and then give him a list that he had to take care of like that didn't happen so let's talk about let's talk about elder care and the state we find ourselves in the in the world now well you know the start um you know in terms of elder care meaning our culture has really shifted where more and more you know the children are are turned to to take care of their parents you know, or the grandchildren take care of the parent, the grandparents. And because um, one, we're living longer um, and we just don't value um, the elderly the way a lot of other cultures do. Um, we sort of infantilize the elderly, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever heard people, every once in a while I hear someone talking to a grandparent and I'm like, 
well, your grandmother's not six, you know, like, and it's, I'm not saying it happens a lot, but, but infantilize also is to, to really, to not embrace and engage their very long lived experience. And especially as an adult, you know, and, and all that's there, our culture here in the United States just does not value elderly the way other places do. I'm not sure what it's like in Barbados, um, but it's sad to me um, that we don't really value the elderly. And, uh, and so what, to me, that's uh, something patriarchal because uh, you, know, you can't produce or contribute. Your usefulness has worn out. So I'm just gonna put you to the side which is very patriarchal, which is, you know, one of those white supremacy cultural norms. Um, but, you know, part of the patriarchy is, is what, are, what are you doing? What are you contributing? What are you producing? You know, you're, you know, that, so it's, I find it really sad. And um, what also perpetuates it is that when we talk about elder care, very often the caring roles fall to the women. Yes, yes. That's that's true. Um, I would say yes. Uh, it's both patriarchy and capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> doing doing that uh, that piece about your 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 production doesn't exist, so therefore your value decreases. Right. Um, as, as well. But yes, you're right. The elder care tends to again disproportionately fall to to the women, to the daughters, um, as 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 well, and. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned here in Barbados, and Barbados is, is slowly becoming very westernized in its in that approach. Um, traditionally, it was very common for um, you know adults um, as as children grew older and entered adulthood, they still lived with their parents until they were ready to strike out on their own with their own families and their own uh, getting married. And then it wasn't uncommon as the as their parent got older to then bring them back into their homes and take care of them as they increasingly got older and older. But, you know, what we're seeing here in Barbados is also, yeah, rise, rise of nursing homes and things like that, that um, families and adult daycare places that families can, you know, bring their elderly to, even if it's just for the day or permanent residency. And, okay. One of the things we have to understand is that it's also not about just we don't respect our elderly. That's a piece of it. But we also found ourselves, thank you, capitalism, in a place where we have to work so much longer for so much less that, right. that, that you know, we, we very much pass the time where one member of the household could work and afford to take care of the rest of the household. Now we have both parents or all the parents, or all the adults need to be working before the home you're in and therefore can't be there to take care of the elderly or in some cases the children. Um, and to your point of infantilizing, I'm not trying to group them together right. uh, as, as one, but in terms of who needs care and attention, um, yes, we get to that place and we just can't, afford for for one of the adults to be home all the time right um so we what, what are our options some some people can afford um, you know in-home care that's beyond the reach of some some can afford adult daycares um and you know especially when you have elderly parents with dementia and alzheimer's and um, and they need they need the their, their self-sufficiency can no longer be taken for granted um, from a safety measure, then yes, what, what are our options if we both have to be working? So can we take a look at a system that says it's become too expensive <laughs> to live, that, that we have to have two, three adults uh, working just to you know, have our basic needs met, much less you know, sock away money to save and all that. Right. Um, so, so these are these are big systemic issues that that really impact our everyday existences as a family and how we take care of our children and how we take care of our aging parents. 
as well. And to your point that you made earlier, as we're living longer and longer, this is a thing we have to factor in more and more. So part of, part of, sorry, what were we going to say? No, well, I was clearing my throat, but I also, I was actually going to say something too, is the, you know, you're talking about, <clears throat> um, you know, you brought up capitalism and as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I'm like, okay, so what's the antidote, right? So the value of care work, you know, it, it, it really can't be monetized like, like regular capitalism market, you know, because um, yeah. what happens is, is then the, the value of care work becomes very undervalued um, and it's, and it's, uh, you know, so people aren't, those that go into the, you know, business of caring, you know, like home care and, and things like that, uh, you know, barely. They're severely, severely underpaid and undervalued. Yeah. That's well, it's well documented. So I'm not, I'm not, and, and so I'm not sure what the, you know, it, what's the antidote or it, it, is it going to take a while to like shift out of this because, um, it really needs to, um, you know, there needs to be more of that collective caring. Um, yeah. I think it is shifting. And I think I, you can see that when you have multiple generations living in the same house, you know, because it's just gotten too freaking expensive out in the world. Um, I was, I was just about to say, uh, just as it takes a village to raise a child, it, it takes a village to truly honor the elderly and, um, and, and, and we are, as you said, seeing that shift back towards not just multi-generational families, but multi-generational communities. Yeah. Um, among families getting together um, and, and sharing that responsibility. Um, it's convenient if you come perhaps from a bigger family and siblings can, um, you know, I have, a, I have a friend, he's Filipino. There's like six siblings and... Um, at one point, one of their great aunts became seriously ill and they didn't, it never occurred to them to put her in like a nursing home or something. They're like, no, we'll take care of her. So, so they took turns. They, most of them lived in the same, you know, yeah. uh, city. So they literally took turns weeks to months at a time uh, taking care of her. Not everyone is in that position. I have right. one child <laughs> and she reminds me every day that at she's 23 and I need to be a lot nicer to her because she's the only one I have to rely on. I don't have when any. I, when I, when I, when I get older. Right. So, you know, I'm out on my own. So it's, the, <laughs> uh, so it's, it's that idea of, okay, well, you know, let me, let me, let me find some other people who might be in the same boat as I am and, and find out what we can do together as, as a, as a collective. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's, we, we talk about what can we do to address the elder care issue. We also have to take a step back and again, look at the system we set up and of the way we earn money. Yeah. And, and the, again, as you, Wesley mentioned that narrative around who has value. And again, right. that's creating the hierarchy of value. That's, that's, that's a patriarchal thing and also a white supremacy thing. Um, so, so if we continue to assign value and worth to people based on their um, ability to produce, we will always undervalue children and elderly, or we will see children as simply future workers. So maybe we'll pay a little attention right. to them. Right. Um, but yeah, something can do with the old folk. Let's just put them out the pasture. Yeah, it's more than, you know, care work and not, and we're talking about elder care, but this also is, you know, refers to child care, um, yes. you know, same, same system. Um, but there has to be, you know, to do that collective thing, we have to recognize that, um, you know, the, it's not just a gender issue, which is yes. you know, often what we focus on. Um, but there's, you know, and you're talking about the hierarchies within the, you know, the care system, caring system that includes class, includes race, it includes um, citizenship, right? Mm, um, yes. You know, and, uh, you know, language, like it includes these interlocking hierarchies, you know, the, the what we call the intersectionality. And, yes. um, 
And so it's not just, you know, as you said, it's not just, you know, multi-generational in a house, but in a community and not even necessarily blood related. Right. I don't know. Exactly. How, I don't know how we're going to survive if we don't start adopting some of these things. Yeah. So, so if you came here looking for answers, sorry, you know, <laughs> keep walking but, <laughs> or rather stick around and let's continue to converse and come yeah. up with, come up with the answers uh, together. Um, and again, we're, we're not, we're not the first to tackle this discussion right. and, you know, but it's also, it's also important because, you know, we can look to and people more and more or look into spiritual communities as the places where they may find some respite and some care yeah. and community as they get older and older. Um, and perhaps they might be the place where we, where we intentionally create some of that care um, for, for elderly folk. Um, and so, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, cha it's a very challenging um, issue, but one that is not sustainable as, again, right. we continue to live longer. There are more of us living longer. Yep. Um, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure it out. We so, need, we need anyway. to be, yeah, building new institutions that, you know, and I, I mean, it's not like I'm going to do that, but, but I need to be advocating for and, and having a voice for building you know, new institutions, new policies that distribute the cost of care across a society. And right yes. now, the Republicans are hell-bent on not having that. Exactly. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes. So, let's keep talking. Let's keep bringing attention to the issue um, and, and having conversations about it. And as always, if there are any good models out there, you know, we spread the word. Uh, between each between each other um and also examine your own internalized uh beliefs and attitudes towards the elderly if you are not one of them <laughs> and you might be one of them earlier than you think yeah <laughs> as well me a, me a few months shy of 50 going like oh yeah i'm getting up there <laughs> yep uh, they say 50 is the new 30 or something I'm like that's a load of crap it's 50. Yes. Whatever it, it is. It, it 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 is. It is. I might yeah. listen, I might I might um think like and try to behave like a 30-year-old, but um in 20 years that's not gonna I'm, I'm gonna disproportionately <laughs> age at that rate. So right. yes. my that. body will notice it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ain't, ain't, ain't that the truth? Okay, so um as always, thank you. Thank you for listening to their podcast especially this this series dismantling the patriarchy please um share with your friends um we we're unclear about um we might do a series on this for um capitalism as well um i was gonna say maybe white supremacy but that's kind of been like our first hundred episodes so <laughs> well that's the the foundation we stand on so exactly ex exactly exactly but we might specifically do one for capital and we've done some capitalism episodes before so i don't right know but but regardless uh we'll, we'll be back we'll talk about stuff we'll, we'll do the whole thing um perhaps um we could do we can do a few episodes on decolonizing the holidays i'm thinking out loud in real time here pay no attention to me but do pay attention i'm to taking me. notes <laughs> okay glad, some, <laughs> glad someone is <laughs> Uh, um, be sure to again take a time to pause and examine your own um, unexamined beliefs and um, this is what decolonizing uh, is all about it's where it begins with us doing our own work um, let your friends know about this podcast this may be a way to uh, begin the discussion um, they can find us anywhere podcasts are found or if your friend still doesn't know what a podcast is, find us online at withloveandjustice.podbean. What is it again? With love and justice, love and justice for, all. Justice for all. That's right. With love and justice for all. .podbean, uh, com. Please visit projectsanctus.com. Um, get more information about our affinity groups. Um, visit revelwoodholder.com for uh, information about the patriarchy sorry about the the men's group 
the men better together as we No, you are right. The patriarchy. Just as we dismantle patriarchy. <laughs> I won't call it a patriarchy group. We're, we're a pro-patriarchy. I don't think it was a Freudian <laughs> slip. <laughs> it's, you know, okay. The, the in the in the internalized patriarchy fights me every day. It's like, <laughs> no, stop, stop trying to get rid of me. I've got you this far. Stop trying to get rid of me. Anyway. Right. So I think that's it uh, for this episode. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. Bye.